Down South by Oliver Optic Chapter 10 The Fellow in the Lockup This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Stephen Simmons You abominable wretch! exclaimed Mrs. Boomsby, placing her arms akimbo and looking at me with the utmost ferocity, so that between her and the snake, I found there was little choice. What are you doing in my house? Getting out of it, Mrs. Boomsby, I replied with the good nature I had been nursing upstairs for several minutes. I wondered whether she knew anything about the snake. The bare thought was enough to assure me that she did not. She would no more have permitted the captain, or any other person, to bring the most harmless reptile into the house, than she would have opened her sleeping apartment for the reception of the sea serpent, in which both she and her husband believed as in the ocean itself. "'What are you a-doin' here?' Can't you let us be here no more'n you could be in Michigan? Must you pursue us wherever we go? demanded the lady, putting the matter in an entirely new light to me, for I believed I had always been able and willing to keep away from the Boomsbys. I was invited upstairs to see you, I began. Don't tell me that! Do you think I live in a garret? I thought we were going rather high up, but I supposed Captain Boomsby knew where to find you, I replied, smiling as sweetly as though there were no snakes in the land of flowers. But it seems that your husband lured me up there to make a prisoner of me. He locked me into the little room in the rear attic, which he had fitted up for me by screwing boards over the window. Don't tell me such ridiculous story. I don't believe a word on it. Nobody ever could believe a word you say, Sandy Dundleton. You know very well that I was up there, for I heard your husband tell you so. You talked with him about it and insisted upon seeing me. But I don't wish to dispute about this matter with you, for I don't think you understand all his plans, I replied, moving towards the head of the stairs, while she planted herself before me so as to prevent my going down. Don't talk to me, Sandy Dundleton. I won't talk to you if you will get out of my way and let me out of this house, I replied, trying to get by her. What be you going to do with that stick? she asked, and she placed herself in front of me. But I saw that she had a reasonable respect for the stick, and she was milder than I had seen her twenty times before. I looked about me to see if there was any other flight of stairs which would take me to the street or to the back yard which opened into a lane by the shore of the river. From the lower hall a door opened into the saloon, and this was the way by which I had come up. I stood in the hall with my back to a door, which I concluded must lead to the rear of the house. Without turning around, I opened this door. "'What be you a-doin?' demanded Mrs. Boomsey, when she thought that she was flanked, and for a glance behind me revealed the back stairs. "'Barker Boomsby, come right up here this minute!' 
she called down the front stairs. "'I won't trouble the captain,' I interposed. "'I have a word to say to you before I go, Mrs. Boomsby. "'I don't think you knew there was a snake about three feet long "'in the room where your husband made me a prisoner.' "'A snake!' gasped the lady of the house, starting back with alarm. "'I don't believe a word on "'But she did believe it, whatever she said. "'Yes, a snake.' and I have no doubt he is a poisonous one, put there to bite me and make an end of me, so that the captain could get possession of the steam yacht, I continued rather vigorously, for I was afraid I should be interrupted by the coming of the captain. A snake? In this house? A pison one, too? groaned Mrs. Boomsby. He was put in the closet, and when I opened the door he came out and made a spring at me. I left him in that room. "'Didn't you kill him, Sandy Dundleton? "'You used to kill snakes.' "'I didn't kill this one, though I struck at him. "'I broke through the door, "'and for all I know, the snake is following me downstairs,' "'I replied deliberately. "'I think you will see him coming down on the stair rail.' "'She did not wait to hear any more, "'but with a tremendous scream, "'rushed by me, bolted into the front room, and closed and locked the door behind her. I certainly did not wish the reptile to bite her or her children, but I did not think there was much danger of the villain getting out of the room through the opening I had made in the door. The scream of the stout lady did not appear to move her husband, who was probably used to this sort of thing. I had put her on guard in case the snake did work his way out of the room and down the stairs. I had done my duty, and I walked leisurely down the hall. The door leading into the saloon was still wide open. The uses of this door were many and various. I had not been a little surprised in some of the southern cities to notice that the drinking saloons were all closed on Sunday, and some of them not even a cigar could be bought at the hotel on that day. Doubtlessly the law was as strict in Jacksonville as elsewhere, but I had noticed that every saloon had a side door for Sunday use. The front door of the house was closed on other days. On Sunday it was left open as an intimation that the saloon could be reached in that way. I thought of this Sunday rum-selling as I noticed the arrangement of the doors. Of course the police understood it. I approached the door opening into the saloon, for I heard the voice of my former tyrant. I wanted to assure him that I was happy still, and that he had better look out for the snake before he bit any of his family. "'He never could get out of there in this world!' exclaimed Captain Boomsby, as I was about to enter the saloon. "'Do you think so, Captain Boomsby?' I coolly asked, as I walked into the room. To my astonishment, the person to whom the captain's remarks appeared to be addressed was Mr. Kirby Cornwood, whom I had left on board the Sylvania asleep under the awning. The Floridian was evidently as much astonished to see me as I was to see him. "'We were speaking of a fellow who was arrested last night,' said Cornwood, with one of his blandest smiles. 
I think he will get out of the lock-up in less than three days, but the keepers of this place remarked that he would never get out in this world. Only a slight difference of opinion. I tell you the fellow will never get out. He isn't smart enough in the first place, and the lock-up is stronger than you think for Mr. I don't knows. I know your name, though I calculate I have seen you somewhere before, added Captain Boonsby. I reckon you have seen me here before, replied Cornwood, taking his card from his pocket and presenting it to the captain. I can't read it without my glasses, said the saloon keeper, holding the card off at arm's length. My name is Kirby Cornwood, added the Floridian. Well, Mr. Corngood, do you... My name is Cornwood, interposed the guide. I beg your pardon, Mr. Cornwool. Cornwood, repeated the owner of that name rather indignantly. All right, Mr. Cornwood. Do you want to bet something that man won't get out within three days? continued Captain Boomsby. I don't care to bet on it. In fact, I never bet, glancing at me as though he expected me to approve this position, which I certainly did, though I said nothing. I will bet five dollars against three. The feller gets out in less than three days, Mr. Woodcorn, persisted Captain Boomsby. I could not see what the captain was driving at, unless it was to vex the Floridian by miscalling his name. I had known him to do the same thing before. If my old tyrant had manifested some surprise at first at seeing me, he seemed to have got over it very quickly. I was very glad indeed to be satisfied that Cornwood had no knowledge of my imprisonment in the attic, as I suppose he had when I entered the saloon. I had employed him and was then paying him five dollars a day for doing nothing. I did not wish to believe that he was a friend of my ancient enemy. Captain Boomsby, I had to break a hole through the door of the room in which you locked me in order to get out, I said, as soon as I had an opportunity to get in a word. Then you must pay for it, for the landlord will charge it to me, he said promptly. I think not, and if it were not for the time it would take, I would complain of you at the police office. I don't know what kind of a snake it was you put into the closet for my benefit, but I think you will find him running about your house by this time, I replied. I gave Mrs. Boomsby warning of the danger, and she has locked herself into her room. What snake, Sandy Dundleton? What are you talking about? demanded the captain. But I could see that he was not a little disturbed by the information. You put a poisonous snake into the closet of that room where you locked me in. You expect me to open the door of the closet and let him out. I did open the closet door and let him out, 
but i did not give him a chance to bite me i continued rehearsing the facts for the benefit of mr cornwood rather than my tyrant what on earth are you talking about sandy i don't know nothing about no snake protested captain boomsby i think you know all about the snake and that you put him there for my benefit i have nothing further to say about the matter except that the creature is still in your house and that he will bite one of your children as readily as he would me i advise you to attend to the matter and have him killed i continued moving toward the door stop a minute sandy called my persecutor what sort of a snake was it i don't know i never saw one like it before i guess i know something about it after all said captain boomsby with a troubled look i had a lodger in the house and he had an attic room he had a lot of young alligators and rattlesnakes and lizards and other creatures and i let him put him in that room he screwed the boards over the window so they couldn't get out i calculate he was one of his snakes i had no doubt this story was all an invention but i had no means of showing to the contrary he begged me to go upstairs and help him kill the varmint but i declined to do this for i was not willing again to make myself the victim of his treachery the captain called his son nicholas from the front shop which was a cigar store and told him to look out for the bar before he could go upstairs two black policemen entered the saloon armed with sticks mrs boomsby had told them what the matter was and they had come in to kill the reptile i left the premises followed by cornwood End of chapter ten